Hello, hello, and welcome to the Station Tapes on 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. In my role at Rovadope, I interview each artist as we prepare for the release of their latest record. I want to get the backstory, a sense of their intent, and their motivation around their new release. I found that given the opportunity in a relaxed setting, they feel free to open up about life and the challenges of being a professional musician. This week, it's off to West Virginia to visit with saxophonist Jared Simmons. We first met Jared in the Boston band Akashic Record, and now that he's resettled in his home state as the director of jazz studies at WVU, Jared is returning to the roots of jazz. His most recent album, The New York Sessions, is a nostalgic trip through the sounds of the New York scene. With titles like Tribeca Tap Bar and Brooklyn Tea, Jared captures the sound and feeling of the neighborhoods of the greatest city on earth. All right, uh, here we are at 21 Soul at the Rope It Oak Room, and I'm here today with Mr. Jared Sims. Jared, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am hot. It's the dog days of summer. <laughs> it sure is. Well, I got my complaint in. Um, so I want to, I want to, there's so much I want to know, but let's start at, start now and work our way backwards. So there's a new record coming out. Um, from you uh, this fall uh, called The New York Sessions. And uh, can you explain that title for us? Well, I recorded it in New York City at a place called The Engine Room. And the funny thing about The Engine Room is I walked in there with a couple of saxophones and I I don't think there are a lot of saxophones in The Engine Room uh, on a day-to-day basis. There's a whole lot of hip hop records that get recorded there. and it's it's a fantastic studio. And, and in terms of my experience, I have pretty much a very low expectation of what I think is necessary to create a really good record. And the the gear and the studio exceeded expectations. And, and it, it really ended up coming out uh, as a really great sounding record. And it was really comfortable to record. So, uh, yeah. I, I guess I guess that's where the New York sessions came from, and uh, the the other part of it is I only had about three weeks to prepare, so I plunged in, and you know New York is even though I have never lived there for any extended period of time, I've played there a whole lot, and I know the city really well, and so this is kind of my uh, my reflections in New York in this record. Interesting. You know, I got to say, like, I mean, that, that makes sense to me because there's, and I, I didn't put it into words before, but there's a certain uh, sort of uh, on the edge, a little bit of a risky feel uh, in some <laughs> Yeah. It feels like you just kind of like, this is it, man. We're out here, you know? Um, so I can hear that. Tell me who, who's the band? Well, uh, it's uh, Alex Tremblay on bass and Chris McCarthy on piano and Evan Hyde on drums. And I play, I play mostly tenor sax, but I also play baritone sax, which is really funny because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a problem with branding because I think a lot of people consider me a baritone saxophone player, but I played a lot of tenor on this record. Uh-huh. You know, for somebody who doesn't understand, uh, just has a rudimentary understanding of the differences in those two, um, um, how if i'm listening to you play tenor um, am i am i hearing that you're a baritone sax player like in 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 some of the way you're approaching it or 
You know, that's a really good question because I have liner notes that were written by Michael West. And Mike West is in Washington, D.C. He writes for Downbeat Jazz Times, all the entertainment papers in Washington, D.C. And he heard the record. And then I talked to him and he said, oh, you play baritone throughout the record, right? And I said, no, that's tenor. And, and even though he has a highly trained ear, he thought it was he thought it was a baritone. So... I do, I do gravitate toward the low range of the horns, and I, and I guess I play the tenor like a berry player. It has such a powerful feel. That, that to me, to somebody who doesn't know the the real differences, it's just like I, for me, it's feel, right? So it just feels like power to me. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to hear. And and yeah, it was it was on the edge. We were we were really really on the edge that day. As a matter of fact. We did a lot of hours in the studio and we recorded a lot of tunes and not all the tunes made the record. But what we didn't do is we didn't do a million takes of each tune. Like that's that's a really typical thing in the studio. And there's no overdubs either, which is really hard for me to believe, because, you know, even in, you know, in any style, it seems like there's a lot of overdubs. But this was this was raw. And and it, I think it came out pretty well given that. But but you know I I guess for me music's a vibe as much as it as it is a language. You know it's it's a expression, yeah. and part of that expression is you know how 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 things are conveyed in the mood, and uh, so I think there's a lot of that on this record. There's a great story about uh, Elvis Presley going into Sun Studios and recording his first single. And he came out and heard it back and said, I want to re-record it. And Sam Phillips refused to let him re-record it. Um, and he said, well, there's mistakes in there. He goes, right, that's what makes a human. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. That's his history. Yeah. So how do you know these, these cats? Like, so how does the band come together? Or, or what, was, what was your choice around that? I mean, well, you know, um, I, I, I knew... Chris McCarthy, I have a record with Chris that's unreleased. I'm still not sure what I'm going to do with it, but we re-recorded that in Boston. We were both in Boston. And so I've known Chris, the pianist, and Alex Tremblay I've known for a long time. He's a fantastic bass player, and I've had him out here at the university doing some teaching as well. Um, now the 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 wild card was was Evan and and basically that was like let's let's find let's find a drummer that'll really you know work with these other players and Evan's fantastic Evan 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 is a ball of fire so it all worked out pretty well so you and I first met right back when you were in Boston is that correct you were playing with the Kashuk record. Yep, yep, Akashic Record, and uh, yeah, of course, Akashic Record, I think well, we have two records on Ropadil, yeah. uh, and we're we're still playing, we're still active, we're, we're about to record another project. Nice. Uh, if if I can find the time in my schedule, now I'm I'm the problem, I'm double booking myself all over the place and trying nice. to figure out my own calendar, so I just got to get up to Boston, which I do on a pretty regular basis, and uh and I, I guess the other, probably as much of a snafu in the scheduling is Pete McLean, the drummer, because he's he's on tour with um, with Maceo Parker. So any given week, Pete might be in in Russia or I don't know Japan, wherever he goes with Maceo. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow. So I, I want to take a minute to understand, because um, you put this in the bio, um, that you, you were in Boston for some time and playing with the Akashic Record and then chose to move back to West Virginia. And um, is, is there a particular history and reason for, the, for that move home or? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is home. Uh, it's not home for my wife, who's actually from New York City, but uh, uh, she she came here. And, and you know, it, it was basically, um, you know, I, I didn't know that this was going to happen. It kind of came, came out of the blue, but there's a university here in Morgantown, West Virginia University, and I, I got hired to to direct the jazz studies program. And most people say, oh, well, what kind of teaching is that? Well, it's some teaching. Yeah, I teach some saxophone. And, but a lot of it is leading ensembles and kind mm -hmm. of really, it's, it's kind of cool because I can kind of dictate the direction of the program and, you know, really try to recruit the students that are really great. And I do have some really great people around here. So, so that that's really that's really what happened. But uh, the other side of that is everybody thinks, well, you oh you're in this teaching job. That means you're locked down. Well, no, the the university encourages us to get out, and so nice. um, I'll probably in November be going to India, and in October I'm going to be gone doing six different CD releases or up and down the East Coast. So it's it's oh, not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not really, I'm not really necessarily bound to this region. Here's a perplexing question, uh, at least to me. Um, you know, in, in this side of the business, we talk about the last 30 or 40 years as pretty much a, uh, a steady decline in, uh, I don't know if it's jazz listenership, but certainly sales of jazz music, right? And now we're seeing it start to, to come back up again. But how is it that, there, you know, that jazz programs at universities manage to stay alive and vibrant because it seems like whoever I talk to, there's there's something happening with master classes and jazz programs all around the country. Do you have an, an opinion on that? Mm, that's really interesting. Uh, for me, I think that jazz has, jazz jazz education is a moving target. I think, and you know, I have a I have a I have a bit of a different philosophy about it than a lot of schools. And the, uh, the soundbite that I give is I'm not trying to train the musicians of 1958, which I think a lot of jazz programs do. And maybe that's not such a terrible thing because 1958 was a pretty great year for music. But um, what, what I'm starting to do here is I'm even retitling the program to jazz and commercial music and going to tie it in with music industry, which is music business nice. and recording and and have it have it be kind of more of a conduit to using the tools that we use for jazz, our ears and the theory that we know and the ability to play our instruments to, to really just use that as a, a key to open doors doing other things. And I'm not necessarily apologetic about that. You know, I think... I think like, uh, you know, I play in reggae bands and I play in funk bands and all the tools that we use really uh, can be, can, we could say it comes from jazz music. I mean, it's jazz derived. Yeah. So, so that, that's kind of my take on it. And yeah, there's so many people here at the label that are, that are you know, and, and it's funny that everybody always has to explain themselves, you know, <laughs> like Christian, 
putting some trap drums on his record or, you know, Terrace is doing jazz funk. You know, there's, there's always some sort of apology that goes with crossing genres or, or not, not necessarily being uh, a jazz purist. But, you know, if, if, you, if, it, if something's going to be popular, then it has to be popular. And so, you know, elements of what people are interested in uh, need to be in the music or, or you know, and, and, and what better group than, you know, classically trained musicians and jazz trained musicians to really set a, a solid framework for, for what's popular. I like it. And I, yeah, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I think we have to be really careful that our education is not a liability and that we're only playing for other musicians. And that's, that's one of my biggest fears. Uh-huh. So, wow. That's a powerful statement. Um, I, I also wanted to comment that the, the, the piece that's interesting is music business. And I think that, you know, we, we want to emphasize in every chance we get that musicians are also entrepreneurs at this point. So uh, they're out there running their own businesses, so to speak. So music business education is pretty important to everybody, not just people who want to, you know, be a manager or something like that. So, well, um, do you want to talk about your, your influences as you approach the, you know, the New York sessions? Is there, is there a particular uh, artist that you had in mind at the time? Um, or is there a particular purpose or statement? Well, you know, yeah, it's, it's interesting you would say that. Um, I think somebody somebody said that the opening track, I sound like Stan Getz, which is pretty amazing because Stan Getz is really, you know, he's, he's an amazing saxophone player. But, yeah, Joe Henderson, because there's so much depth to what that guy did, just, not just as an instrumentalist, but, you know, he, he, he did everything from traditional-sounding big bands and trio jazz standard records to things that are really even – maybe even considered kind of psychedelic, like in the, you know, the, the 70s kind of Miles style, you know, Miles Davis kind of style, you know, open-ended um, soundscapes. And so, you know, he, he's, a, he's a tremendous influence to me. And the way he phrases and the freshness and the, the, the freedom that he, he attacks music with. And so that's one thing. And uh, I guess the other thing is I wrote a lot of those tunes at the piano because you know, I'm a frustrated piano player. That was my first instrument. And I, I, what the piano can do is it can set the mood through the, the harmonies and the chords and the sustained kind of uh, sounds that could come out of it. So to me, that's, that's a lot of the mood that, that, that we can create on that record. Nice. Is there, is there anything you want to say about this album um, other than letting the music stand on its own, is there is there a message from Jared Sims to the world as you put this together? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. Interesting. A message. Let me think. Yeah. I think. I think a big part of it for me is. Uh, I, th I think I think I have to go back to the the vibe and the, and the feel and the mood, and I'm I'm really hoping that a lot of the the mood comes out on the record, you know. And and, and what what better city for a mood than New York? I mean, New York is such a beautiful place. The people are great, 
you know, I, I lived in I lived in Boston for so long, and, and people are 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 a certain way. You know, I I love Boston and I miss Boston, but people, in in my opinion, are even more friendly in New York, and there's a whole lot of surprises in New York, and uh, I think I think I wanted to capture some of that intensity and some of that razor edge and that kind of more East Coast acerbic kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no place like New York. <laughs> it's a mystery to me, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so wonderful. So I'm glad that that's a, a part of it. Um, okay. So Jared Sims, the New York sessions comes out on October 12th, 2018. And I hope that people will tune in and listen. And uh, Jared, I just want to say thank you for continuing to make great music and to trust uh, Rope Up with it. And, uh, Looking forward to uh, seeing you play up here in this area, hopefully, and uh, and to this record release. Well, thank you so much for your support, and uh, I appreciate that uh, every everything that you're doing in the industry and to get this music heard. Beautiful. Well, that's our show for the week. Thanks for listening to the Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at Twenty One Soul. And you can also find us on Stitcher, Apple, and Spotify. Our 21 Soul video series features in-person interviews, music discussion, and live performances. And you can find that on YouTube at Ropeadope99. Big thanks to our producer, Nick Perry. Our general manager is Fran DeRubo. The Station Tapes theme song is from Red Hook Soul by Michael Blake. And big thanks to all the people who keep the flame burning, to all the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and thanks to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show. Music